Welcome to Native Calgary. Today is May 24th, and today I have some guests with me, so I'm super excited. Oki, Nanago Mekoche Isakom Aki. My name is Red Thunder Woman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. Native Calgary is being recorded on the lands of the Nitsitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the imposed US Canadian border are the Blackfeet. And north of the border are the Siksika, Ganai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are on Treaty 7, signed September 22, 1877, with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Stony Nakoda, composed of the Wesley, Chinooki, and Bearspaw Nation, and the Dene from Sutina Nation. I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit, status, and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. All non-Indigenous are treaty partners with the government signing on your behalf. I honor the Blackfoot. I was born in Calgary, or in Blackfoot, Mokinstis, as Michelle Elliott, an uh, English name which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene, or Satu Dene. My Indian national status card by the Canadian government says Yellowknives Dene. My father is so Canadian, and I am a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution, while having an Indian National Post status card. I acknowledge my Dene lineage and I was born in Calgary, but my family is not part of the Treaty 7 signatories. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Hare people, also called the Great Bear Lake people in Treaty 11. I'm a native to Turtle Island and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area of Chine Indahe in Satu Dene, meaning host house, named after the Calgary Stampede. Land acknowledgements are critical to creating a safer space for indigenous, as well as honoring the host as a guest and acknowledging your role as a treaty partner. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot elders and language keepers as I try to learn proper pronunciation. Any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous, but I can share what I know as I walk down my red road. If you're experiencing emotional distress after anything we talked about today or want to talk, call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It's toll free, open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And there's also a chat feature if you go to um, hopeforwellness.ca. Non-Indigenous, there are distress lines in your area too. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian where you can pledge and support. I wanna say thank you to previous donors for already showing your support. If you value listening and can afford to give, thank you. For those that cannot afford to give but listen in, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or questions. I would also have a YouTube channel and would love to have you subscribe. For podcasts, we applied for Spotify. We are on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And I have to give a shout out to my super loyal donors, Adam, Alexandria, Beatrice, Brian, Kat, Celine, Krista, Crystal, uh, Christina, Crystal, Diana, Jocelyn, Judy, Karen, Kathy, Kenna, Leah, Marisa, Natalie, Nathan, Rebecca, The Sprawl, Tiffany, Vanessa, and Veronica. Woo! So I have some guests today. I'm super excited to talk about um, everything that's going on in, in my friend's world. So Judy, thank you for reaching out to me and telling me you wanted to be on the show. Thank you very much for having us. I appreciate that. My name is Judy. I come from Broken Head, Manitoba. It's a Treaty 1, Ojibwe Cree. Ojibwe is another way. Um, and on my mom's side, I'm Dene. 
from up north, Northwest Territories on her side, uh, when the Northwest Territories were actually Manitoba. So they kept pushing them back and back. So that's where they've become between Man what is now called Manitoba. And um, my daughter is next to me. I'm also an author, children's author. I wrote uh, Chippy's Adventures, The Curious Little Squirrel. And I have two Indigenous books ready to come out. They're just an edition, in edit in a stage right now. And I have two books that I wrote, um, one for a special little girl who unfortunately has cancer and she's battling that for the last few years. Um, it's called The Brave Little Princess. And I'll have that out shortly. And then the next one will be for the Kidney March. I wrote a story because my brother had, had kidney disease. My mom unfortunately passed away of it in 2011 which left a big void in our hearts i loved her and uh so that one is sparkle a kidney journey and we might change the name but it's definitely going to have sparkle in it and i'll s send it to my daughter next okay hi i'm ellie Iverson. um okay i'm miss teen southern alberta 2019 Uh, thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for being on here. And I'm just going to unmute over here. Did I unmute? I don't think I unmuted yet. There we go. And I'm going to mute you, Judy, just for a second. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Lisa McNamara, and Judy is my auntie. Um, I am a part of the Broken Head Ojibwe Nation from Manitoba as well. Um, she is my mom's sister, kind of. <laughs> Technically, her father raised my mom as his own because their parents passed away pretty, when my mom was pretty young. Um, so I decided to jump on the call today to be alongside my aunt and my cousin. Um, we're going to be doing the kidney march together. Um, and with all this crazy COVID stuff going on right now, we um, are going to be doing it a lot differently. So we wanted to just like come on and talk about it a bit. Um, a little bit about me. I grew up in Winnipeg slash Calgary. Um, my dad is German and Irish. So I am mixed. And uh, yeah, I just, I love my culture and I love that we're doing this. I think it's super cool. Um, my aunt actually messaged me about it yesterday and I said, Oh, it's a video chat. So I have to brush my hair and maybe put on a little bit of makeup. <laughs> I was running around. I promised the hour before this going, Hola, I gotta get ready. Ah! And my husband has, uh, you know, instructions to pour me my coffee that I made. So <laughs> yeah, I just, I made a hot coffee right before and I'm actually working today. So um, I told my aunt, I'm like, sure, I'll take a quick break and hop on for a little bit. So, um, again, thank you for having us. And uh, I don't, I guess that's all I'll say for now. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, I was really happy when Judy reached out and said she wanted to be on the show. I'm like, absolutely. And uh, so I want to say to you, Lisa, if you have any particular reason at all you want to, um, you know, be podcasted, let me know if there's something cool happening in your community that you want to uh, discuss. I'd have you on any any day. And same with Elle, same with Judy. Like, just please know you're welcome on the show anytime to talk about uh, anything that you want to talk about. Like, you know, when you win a title, like Miss Southern Alberta, things like that. Yeah, 
that's awesome. Yeah. So Lisa, maybe we should uh, um, just have you on first because um, you're taking some time off of work in order to be here. So I appreciate that. Um, uh, yeah. So do you want to maybe elaborate a little bit about uh, what you what you do for your work and, and what you'd like to discuss with us today? Well, um, I work corporate, so I actually work in oil and gas. Um, I mean, that sounds boring, but it's not that bad. Um, I work with Suncor, actually, and they have a huge um, diversity and inclusion department, which is amazing because it's so great to see how much they incorporate um, Indigenous um, culture in the company. It actually makes me really proud. Um, but yeah, so that, that's what I do for work. I don't really want to talk about that stuff, but um, uh, so we, real quick, my aunt and my cousin and I decided to do the kidney work this year because, um, uh, as my aunt said, her mom um, had some issues with it and had passed from it, and then her brother, which my uncle, he actually got, um, uh, um, he went in for a surgery to get um, the kidney transplant, which is kind of amazing, um, and my mom is going to dialysis a couple days a week so kidney uh the kidney march means a lot to our family and just the things that they do to raise money and awareness for um for people who suffer with these with these problems um so yeah when my aunt was like i think we should do it i'm like you know what i think you're right and between the three of us um my aunt my cousin and myself um we're passionate about it and we want to raise as much funds as we can and uh, we're getting together um, our pages and stuff that we need to do to like set out to people so they can see why we're doing it and tell a little bit more about our stories and why it hits um, so close to home for us. Um, yeah. Oh, that's great. I'm really glad that you came here to tell us about it. My, uh, my mom actually has diabetes, so I always kind of joke that, uh, you know, well, I don't have diabetes yet, uh, but it's not really funny. It's just a way to cope with the uh, with the stark reality. So, yeah, so, Judy, do you want to jump in and talk about um, about this work that you're doing with with the Kidney March? For sure. Um, we got our package, and we have a beautiful sweater, and we have this book here, and a T-shirt, and so it's given us tips, and so we know what to do and do the stretches and get prepared for the march. We're we're trying to go every other day or every day short walk or longer walks just to kind of get for exercise reasons and doing our stretches. And, and then for the kidney march itself, we're hoping to get um, funding, whether you can help share the page, whether you can help share the word that we are out there trying to raise funds. And we're going to be doing a clothing drive. So that's another way that you can support us. And a uh, bottle drive we're going to be doing. And there's a few other stuff that we're in the works of trying to set up. Um, I'm, I was mentioning to the ladies that I would love to do like a cheese and wine. Unfortunately, we can only have 15 to maybe 50 people by the time we were able to do that. So we'll play it by ear on that one, but we're definitely going to go with the, um, and there's a popcorn, popcorn as well. So we're going to do the kidney march um, clothing that you can drop it off to us or we can come pick it up, whatever's easier. Uh, bottles as well uh, we can come pick it up Lisa myself and my daughter any one of us can and so the three that we're definitely doing the bottle drive the kidney uh, marches uh, clothing drive and the popcorn and for the popcorn 
I believe it's going to be about two or three dollars a bag and they're individual bags so and then depending on how many you buy we can probably we haven't set up the price for that one so it's a little bit um in the works of that i've talked to the lady and she's all on board to get that done and and yeah i'll let you, uh ellie to put a little twist on hers with her title his team okay well for the kidney match i was thinking on doing a bake sale for the longest time now it's just this has been putting it off even longer and by the time this is over it might not happen because of the restrictions we would have so that would kind of bring it down yeah i know this covid19 stuff sucks doesn't it it's really uh messed everything up and now we have to do curbside everything which makes it uh really difficult and especially if you're trying to raise money running around with a car is probably really tough Maybe we can get Suncord to sponsor that. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they actually do. Um, they do this like auto, um, awesome. I think it's, see, and I, I'm, I probably would have been a bit more prepared if I had known. But anyways, they do actually match um, contributions of up to, I believe, $2,000 a year for each employee. So whatever you decide to give to, they match. Um, last year, I did, um, I went on, a missions trip which helped and um yeah like i'll send co-workers and stuff and like we have um a page that we use it's kind of like a facebook but it's for suncor employees so it's a good way to like reach out to others um in the company like, what you're doing um but uh, yeah it's it's crazy like with the with COVID going on like you think you have more time but i feel like i have less <laughs> like yeah you, you know you're you're on the phone more you're on like zoom calls you're on skype calls you're chatting with friends and family and you're you know like everything that you do you're doing it in the four walls of your own home so i literally like when i'm working um i just feel like from five six o'clock in the morning to like 10 11 o'clock at night like i'm constantly just doing something or chatting with someone or getting something going and i'm like whoa this is a lot I'm actually doing um, a course right now too through the uh, University of Alberta um, on Aboriginal Indigenous Studies. So I'm doing that too, just keeping busy. Oh, it's stupid busy how we've been. I find that with the COVID-19, like uh, so many people have expectations of you to be available 24-7 on call. And I I'm actually have uh, a lot more problems with people wanting to have Zoom meetings at the exact same time as other people. So my podcast I usually do on a Sunday and uh, depending on my husband's schedule, it could take up to like Tuesday for it to get out. And then, um, you know, going from there, just it, it's shocking how busy it's been. Um, I have a podcast every week. I missed last week because uh, last week was so busy. My husband was asked to do like a lot of work. And um, so it, there wasn't even a point of uh, having it. Uh, but I have a book club on Mondays and I recorded it. And so I thought, well, that will be good for our, our uh, podcast. And as it turned out, one of the uh, people that spoke said, actually, I'd prefer if we didn't air that. And so I had to take it down. So, you know, the irony is it, it's just so hard to, um, and especially when this is all volunteer, right? Like it's, it's a labor of love to have a podcast to actually have Indigenous voices talking from Indigenous perspective. Um, you know, I... I want to be really clear uh with suncor like my uh 
my family were second generation oil and gas and my husband was actually laid off from the uh from his oil company so uh you know it it's it's interesting how oil and gas really is to to people and uh you know it it's been something i wouldn't be here if it wasn't for oil and gas so um you know us transitioning into green energy is something i tried to discuss and talk about but I know Suncor uh, as a corporate sponsor is huge here in Calgary, um, you know, Calgary Pride, um, I think of the Stampede, how many initiatives that have happened because they give funding. Now, granted, I have asked for, you know, like, how do I apply for my book club, but that doesn't seem to be something I can get monies for. So I've, I've let that one go. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it's interesting how much corporate sponsorship there has been in Calgary and especially by oil and gas and Suncor has actually been one of those ones that's always been there. So, um, yeah, it's, that's its own discussion, <laughs> but it would be great. Like, um, my, my uncle had worked, um, he'd done the whole Petro Canada, uh, started there. And every time it went on to Encana, all these different companies that were bought, bought out, he went through the whole thing and just recently retired. So they definitely give good benefits. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Awesome. Honestly, they're an amazing company to work for. I'm very grateful, you know, by uh, the grace of God, I'm still working and I'm very, very thankful for that. Um, Cause obviously times are really uncertain right now, but at the same time, you kind of just have to go with it and um, you know, ex like pray for the best, but like prepare for the worst at the same time, you know, um, it's kind of just been my, my attitude with stuff, keeping positive and um, focusing on the things I can control and not what I can't. And like, that's something that um, as the company Suncor, they've been very like transparent with everyone, which is amazing. Um, so yeah, I'm sorry to hear about your husband getting laid off. That's unfortunate, but hopefully things, you know, start to turn around and that door closing just means another one's going to open for him. You know, and we're big believers of that, um, mm -hmm. that uh, things are a blessing sometimes. And I know there's, it's hard to organize some of your uh, fundraisers and such for uh, popcorn sales and such, but you know, there was a bigger picture of COVID-19. I think it was kind of a reset for a lot of us to recognize we need to slow down and we need to really know what's important and, you know, reconnect with people who, you know, want to connect with you and, and see, you know, go from there and, and then see to how our, our communities are coping with, with COVID-19. So, um, yeah, so Judy, did, did you want to discuss a little more with uh, um, your books? Can, can we get yeah, sure. those titles again? Yeah, it's Chippy's Adventures, The Curious Little Squirrel. And uh, for my native books, I'm still working on the titles. Um, but one might be called uh, Little One Discovers His, his Culture, or um, Little One Discovers His Call in One Feather at a Time, rather. So we're still twisting with the with the name, but I'm so far leaning towards that one. And then the other one um, is Avengers. Actually, when I went out with my grandpa and my sister Rose and my brother Gordon, we would always go. Um, he would always teach us a lesson, and how he he would um, say, "Okay, let's go for lunch." And we're like, yeah, of course. And we're all excited. And then, then all of a sudden he goes, okay, before we go for lunch, we got to work. I'm like, what? We're all like, what? No way. And then Rose is like, God, no, no. And then um, we're like, okay, what are we going to do? And he's like, we're bottle picking. And we're like, what? I'm not going in, into garbages and into rivers and all that. And the next thing we knew, we found that he's teaching us 
the value of the dollar and teachness, you know, other knowledgeable stuff, how, you know, you can't just eat and not earn your keep or not, you know, have, um, like always give, 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 and always want, want, want sort of thing. You have to learn and, and have your keep, have your, your, um, best forward foot forward and not always think bad thoughts. You know, there's always a blessing in everything. Try to look for the good in everything. And, um, my other children's books is, um, brave, the brave little princess. It's a little girl that we met back in December via, um, again, zoom and on Facebook messenger. She's a wonderful little girl. Um, Katra's daughter is called is Aria and it's I believe it's her Facebook and her channels are Aria's journey and we're hoping that we can get um, money raised for her because she needs um, to go to the state she's absorbed all the Canada's what they can do for her and they've been wonderful people here but unfortunately you know there's only so much that people can do for with cancer here in, in Canada so therefore the state's have a bit more resources that they can extend to this little one so we've actually um i'm doing two two causes or three causes right now actually um the kidney march help this little girl with cancer so that's why i'm pushing out the um brave little princess first and then i'm going to be pushing out sparkle um but what my friend who does my inner books the cover and that uh, they suggested that me lisa and ellie um that we go on the walk and take some pictures and then this way we can put it in the book so that when we have the book come out they can see what our journeys were to help my brother lisa's mom and have the memory of my mom and um our auntie passed away from it as well i should say that franny francis Mm. um so yeah so they they and my uncle jimmy too i can't forget uncle gordon jimmy we call him they passed away from it um so yeah so it's it's been our in our family for a very long time unfortunately because again diabetes it comes to we have a high racial because of being indigenous that's unfortunately um it runs in our family diabetes kidney disease heart disease so we're just trying to help get help there for the kidneys and and foundation and see where where it can go we've always even my parents always um gave money to them uh, you know sold cars and gave money to them or whatever they done as well to fundraise for them so it's always been money and that's the ironic part and then my mom ends up getting kidney disease and then passes away in 2011 from it so that was a really hard blow to the stomach there um took us a while but then I thought, no, there's a blessing in there. There's something saying you got to get, you got to write. You have to do that. Um, so I, I wrote a book about my brother and his journeys, um, how he had, he had gotten kidney, um, pardon me, back up from there. He had gotten diabetes at 16, so he had juvenile diabetes. And then he got kidney disease um, around 2011, 12, 13, somewhere in those years. And his kidneys just gave out about a couple of years back. And one of her friends from Vic Park family, um, she's more like family to us, said, no questions asked, I'm his kidney donor. And we're like, what? You got it. You, you have to do all these tests. Are you sure? And, and she was like, 
I love you guys. You know, your family, we're Vic Park family. And that's Victoria Park right in front of Calgary Stampede as we all came from that area growing up. So um, I know who the donor is. Yes, you do. I don't even have to tell you. You know. Thing about it on global news. uh, I believe on global or CFCN, they made. uh, My daughter L was just reminding me that they made um, a broadcast about it for Lily and Gordon. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. You know, she's our mutual friend, our family. Yeah. And she's just an amazing lady. Yeah. And, and we asked even Marigold, like Marigold, her daughter, they didn't have no hesitation. They were like, no, her mom was like, no, I'm doing it. And I'm like, well, make sure. And she had a rough, you know, time too. And I, and I don't want to speak too much because that's her story to tell. It's not mine. Yeah. But um, my brother, you know, his recovery hasn't, hasn't been the greatest. Uh, he did get sick back in December, spent Christmas, unfortunately, in hospital due to an infection. Um, he got to come home for a few hours. Well, we were very grateful for that and spent time with our family. Um, and then he got out a short time after that. And so far hasn't been back in the hospital. So I'm very, very grateful. We're all grateful for that. Yep, fingers crossed, definitely. Toes and everything. <laughs> That's a great blessing and we're gonna run with it. And you know, so I just thought I need to write. So I wrote a book for him. Right on. Um, you know, I, I, we have an international audience and, um, I'm, I'm going to make a, a statement here that I'd love to have you both or all three of you chime in if you want to, Elle, I know you're here and you're more than welcome to chime in anytime, my friend. Um, so, um, a lot of folks have heard of Western science and Western propaganda and Mm -hmm. up until very recently, I would even say 2015, um, Western media and Western science has always really depicted Indigenous people as like inferior people. And mm-hmm. if they depict it at all, it's almost in a historical way. And, and so one of the reasons why, you know, I wanted to have this podcast was to say, uh, one, we're here, but two, yes. it's reframing the, the whole conversation. People have extreme health issues from the extreme government policies that have been imposed on us. So um, as a result, our health issues are a direct reflection of poor government policy, whether it was taking us off of our lands and putting us into small reservations, whether it was, you know, killing our main sense of food, whether it was throwing us in Indian residential schools and giving us foreign food, and whether it was the uh, starvation and the, and the different um, experiments that they conducted on us as uh, Indian residential school, um, you know, developed policies based off of that science, so-called Western science was based off of experiments done on nutrition on Indigenous people. So, um, you know, I like to always mention that when we have these extreme health issues of kidney issues and diabetes and heart issues, it is a direct um, reason from, a, a direct outcome from all of the awful government policy that our people have um, actually endured. So we actually become more strong and resilient than what other people may uh, think of us. So um, your, your story, your family's story is one of, of resilience and, you know, continuing to do this work to raise awareness about, um, you know, 
kidney issues and kidney donation and and trying to do um you know good out of something awful is is amazing and i'm really honored to you know have you on to talk about that so thank you for sharing that and uh you know judy is there anything else that you would like to share we would well i would like to help ellie share her other cause so that as our miss teen southern alberta her other cause is and i'll let her tell you okay uh, my other cause next to the kidney foundation is um missing and modern indigenous women and children we've done like a lot to help and um yeah Okay, I'll, I'm, I'm going to ask some questions for you then. So why does this issue matter to you? Um, a couple of years ago, my, like, one of my old friends almost became one of the women. So I guess it kind of inspired me more to get out there and do like, things to help it. That's great. And in, you know, I was also going to add sure. that um, we've done walks with her in the past just to support her because she didn't know what, or I didn't even know actually, we had to both go as, you know, a team, as family and find out what is about the missing and burdened Indigenous girls, women, and even we have men. I have to mention the men and boys that go missing because they're sometimes, you know, it's the other shoes on the other side and men are men and our, our boys go missing and we do walks for them um, every year. I don't know what this year's walk is going to be looking like, but I like to support everybody because we're all human beings and we all are blessed in our ways and our culture we've um, is very important to us. It's important to me because my dad was ashamed one time. I remember his family came in on his side, our family, and they were smudging. And I, and I just asked him, I said, what are you guys doing? And I said, that looks interesting. I said, because I, I thought they were just smoking cigarettes. And they're like, oh, no. And then he apologized. And I thought, don't apologize. I said, why are you apologizing, dad? And he told me, he goes, because I, I was in residential. The, the nuns told us we have to go and not do any cultural things. They cut their hair short. They told them what to eat. They told them when to sleep. They told them when to go to the bathroom. And, you know, unfortunately, bad things happened to them. And so it still reflected. He didn't know how, I know he loved us. I definitely know that. And so he, he never told us he loved us. And when he did, I know it, he meant it. Mm -hmm. um, it was rare. I think it was the grandkids, Lisa, Al, uh, Nick, and Mackenzie, and, uh, and his other grand, beloved grandkids and junior um and the rest of them because he's got so many to mention <laughs> said i love you and he was shocked he he it it took um i think it was you lisa a few times to say grandpa or you know i said i love you and he, she was waiting for him to say it back so yeah so we're very proud of our culture and we're trying and we went to the break of sweetgrass from the hall program and that's when i got a reconnection and the belief that it doesn't matter where you come from like we're from treaty one and three broken head is treaty one and anishinaabe it um it's uh and kenora ontario 
and uh, that's Treaty 3 where my husband and my kids chose to go on their dad's reserve. And we're just, we went for the first ever as a family to Terry's reserve for the powwow, and it was amazing. And Ellie had the opportunity to um, get a picture with their native uh, indigenous um, princess. So it was wonderful. Like, and she got her crown and sash on. And, and I love that picture because, you know, that's going to be a cultural statement for us and for her in the future to show, hey, you know what? I was this because I worked hard at it and I didn't stop. I didn't like. But I'll let you, I'll let her talk about that because she has a nice journey, how she started out to get that crown and it, and here she is. Okay. Well, my journey started back in 2017 when I did my first pageant for Patty Faulkner Agency. Um, yeah. And then 2019, I took that year to redo it and then I won with some other like girls and it was kind of changed for me I guess you know I'll um I was going to say to you earlier because I, I am the co-chair for missing and murdered indigenous women girls two-spirit here in Calgary and um you know, I, I'm really honored to be a part of that Sisters in Spirit vigil every October 4th. And, you know, we have, we're not too sure what October 4th is going to look like because there is a potential for a second wave, but we are trying to figure out something. And I, I encourage you, if you, if you feel very passionate about this topic, that if you want to write a speech or something like that, I know we would love to have you a part of our uh, Sisters in Spirit vigil. So if you can articulate, um, I don't know whether it's a poem or whether it's a spoken word or whether it's a story that you want to tell, um, you have to understand from my point of view, as an Indigenous girl, you matter, you are, are my future. You are the one that I care about the most. I think about my daughter and I think about the future and passing the torch to her and, and giving her a good legacy to know that um, how smart, resilient, and and lucky we are all to be together and for you as an indigenous girl and especially one that's working so hard uh at these titles and and trying to do good work with kidney foundation i i want you to know that how special you are to all the whole community we're all watching you and we all want to see you succeed and we're happy to see you do the things that you do so if you want to come and and speak at our vigil please know that you are more than welcome to because you give us all hope all the whole community we look at you and my daughter and the next generation and we look at you with hope and love and we want to see you succeed so if there's anything that you want to do know that we are here to support you as a whole community we want that for you and uh, we're really proud of you for the work that you're doing and what you are going to continue to do with the kidney march and um, I encourage you, if you ever want to be on my show, please know you are welcome to. And if you have a friend that you want to talk about or have a friend on with you, you're always welcome on our show. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome. I'm going to unmute. I, I'm sorry, Lisa. Every so often uh, there was like a, a static that was coming. So I'm like, oh, I better try to mute that. Um, so, yeah. 
what do you think hearing uh, Judy and Al? Well, I think um, they're amazing, and I'm so happy that they're my family. And, um, you know, just hearing my aunt talk about her dad, which I knew as my grandfather, even though he was technically my uncle. Um, but, yeah, to hear her journey and how um, him opening up about, um, like, just showing the motion because you're not allowed to. Um, he wasn't allowed to at a certain point in his life. I just feel really grateful um, for our generation and the things that um, myself, my cousin Eleanor, Nicholas, um, her younger sister, Mackenzie, like our generation and um, the people our age are going to help break generational curses, you know, um, diabetes, like all the, like you're talking about this Western science and this kind of stuff. And it makes me think now people have the freedom to be like, you know what, I'm gluten. I, I can't have gluten. I can't have this. I can't have that. Our, like our ancestors weren't allowed to do that. They weren't allowed to be like, oh, well, I can't eat that. It was eat it or starve, like, which obviously posed a lot of the health issues that our, um, our culture now struggles with. And, um, you know, my mom has been a diabetic for, I can't even remember how long, like, I believe she's 53 now and, oh, sorry, she will be this year. Sorry, mom. Um, <laughs> my mom, because of um, the diabetes and all the medication that she was on, um, she had a full-blown stroke and was hospitalized when I was about 12, about to turn 13. Um, you know, and the diabetes, like, just, like, really bad um, health. And sometimes people are like, oh, well, it's what you eat or it's what you do. Well, no, actually, sometimes those are things that you just get because it's been passed on to you. So I myself, and I know my aunt and my cousin, um, you know, we're trying to learn new ways. I've been on a health journey myself. Um, I was at one point 280 pounds and I now officially weigh 213. Um, I've been eating better, trying to help my mom learn better ways to eat, but she's so stubborn. Um, but you know, she's doing good. And I just, I'm excited to see what we're going to do as a family, as well as a generation to just like, get rid of those generational things that were spoken over us. I don't have any kids yet. But I know when I do have children that they're not going to know um, those things that were spoken over us once because it has to stop somewhere. And I don't want that conti to continue with our family, you know, moving forward in the years to come. Oh, and I hear you preach sister. Amen. <laughs> but you, you know what? And, and that's the truth. Um, so I'll, I'll just share with you this week. Um, I was viciously attacked um, on my Facebook page and uh, this uh, woman had made up some incredibly elaborate story so much to the point it was harassing and I actually had to file a report with the police and um, you know my I, I had that uh, you know that response that you get from flight and flight or flight or fight um, so I had an elevated heart um, I, I was shallow breathing and and I just I, I felt so awful and um, you know, and that's, I, I already have heart issues. I'm already on heart medication. And that's a, re, a result of like the constant racial battle fatigue that we face. So, um, and I, I like to talk about that so that people who are listening that are, are hearing us globally, they're hearing a ridiculous narrative of how Canada is, how amazing they are, but they don't hear the reality of, you know, the imposed poverty that has been uh, placed upon us. And then as a result, the food that we have to eat and 
um, or that we're limited to eat, I should say, because that's what happens when you're in, in that situation. Or in the case of Northern um, Indigenous people, they're, the costs, the food costs are ridiculous compared to in the South, right? So, um, and then you, you take away the food uh, through, you know, industry or whichever, or, um, you know, take away a lot of the hunting rights because we still are really over-policed. So a lot of folks, like even for me, I don't do things because I'd rather just not interact with police. I'd rather not interact with certain um, individuals, uh, certain organizations, even healthcare. The person who attacked me was actually associated with health care. So we're, we're actually looking into her college to see if um, we can, um, well, we'll see how it goes. Like, I, I don't know yet. It's an, an investigation now at this point. So we have to, um, you know, just kind of respect the process and work with it. But ultimately, like that racism in the healthcare is also part of the problem. Uh, when you said that you're, you experienced the stroke in your family, like that worries me because um, there's a woman in Edmonton who just told me this week that um, because her mom was experiencing um, stroke issues, they assumed she was drunk. So rather than giving yeah. her health care, you know, she had to keep going back and going back and they finally got some health care and they determined she had a stroke. But because of their racial bias that are, and the whole industry, like from the time that she got to a paramedic, from the time she got into emergency, from every nurse and doctor that dismissed her as an indigenous woman, she had, um, you know, an, an health issue that was preventable, that would have been, um, you know, something that could have helped her from having lifelong condition. But now it's not because of racism. Because of racism, you know, it was racism. So when you talk about that, like that is a real concern of mine. And I've had to really explain this to my, my, my um, husband and my daughter, that chances are if I have a stroke, if chances are that they're going to assume I'm a drunk native, that I probably won't get proper health care as a result. So I need them to advocate for me and tell them that I do mending broken hearts and well-briety and I've never had a drinking issue and I, I go really like out of my way to show people I don't drink. And that's not something that other that non-Indigenous have to worry about. In fact, the opposite, I, like I'm in oil and gas culture, they encourage drinking. They encourage all events to have beer, wine, everything. And, and that's fine, except that they don't have the stigma of going to emergency and not being treated well because based off of their rights. So those are things that I think about and I worry about. And I'm, I'm saying because I know globally, people are listening to us and actually hearing our story, as opposed to a lot of the Canadians who are, you know, not just in denial, but viciously in denial, that they're not willing to really, you know, do anti-racism training or Indigenous education. So... That's um, the big reason why I started the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If I can uh, jump in there, um, that is, is what happened to Rose. I, yeah. I moved back there from 2000 to 2002, and I think she had her stroke 2000 or 2001. And that's exactly um, her ex-husband, um, Lisa's father and John's father, um, had to take her back. I think it was two or three times and say, no, she's not a drunken Indian. She's actually a woman that has a stroke. Something is wrong. And he had to advocate for her. But even with him advocating for her, we found that it wasn't enough. So she could have had less 
you know, being paralyzed left on one side, less effects, side effects. If they just said, oh my God, this is a woman having a stroke instead of this is a drunken Indian. Yeah. And is in Winnipeg and, you know, and all stuff. It's like uh, Winnipeg, uh, Regina, or a few of those big, and even in Ontario, um, they have like a lot of cities that are so racial against us. Like, and I'm trying, I want to break that. And that's why I went into the medical field. I'm actually by profession, I'm a healthcare aide, I'm certified. And, um, but I'm choosing to go to another avenue because it's not helping them. And I figure if I can advocate through writing books and stuff like that and doing kidney walk and doing, you know, the kidney march and stuff and, and just to do other stuff that can bring our profile up to saying, Hey, we're human beings. We, we eat pee and we, if we cut ourselves, we're going to bleed the same color. And that's what my dad used to tell me all the time when I would get down saying, why are those people being so mean to us? Why is he calling me a squaw? Why is he calling me this because I'm a different color than them. And I'm like, wow, this, this society needs to change. Yeah. And so I, back then is when I started um, changing. Like I would say, you know, I started writing at eight years old because I felt that we needed the change. And I'm hoping by my writing and stuff. And um, on Facebook, I have Everson Publishing. I publish my own books and I'm willing to help others publish too if they need it. But I use it for my self-publishing um, so I can promote my different causes that I have. And, you know, would if anyone needs any questions answered, I, I'm definitely willing to do that for sure. Yeah. Well, I really applaud you for um, trying. I know, I think all of us do, right? In, in our yes. own way, whether it's... Uh, you know what, when I worked in oil and gas, I actually refused to have conversations about natives in general because they were really coming from a hurtful place whenever people would ask. And um, I wasn't knowledgeable enough to really talk about it. But when yeah, I had my daughter and I experienced extreme racism giving birth, I mean, we wanted to have more kids, but that was such an awful, horrible experience. I can't even tell you. There was good that came out of it. Um, so I, I realized at that time it was a uh, Calgary health region that mm -hmm. there was no real resources for me to be able to, really, um, you know, discuss it with anyone. But my, uh, my MLA, Manmeet Bular, who passed away, he um, yes. worked with me to get midwifery funded. So because of that, um, midwifery is now funded in Alberta. And I have that in my daughter's birth story, which is a nice legacy to give to Samantha, but at the same time, you know, I think she probably would have preferred to have a sibling. And I think my husband would have preferred us to have more children. But Alberta healthcare is so racist. I just, I, every single time an Indigenous person goes into Alberta healthcare in any capacity, I just know they're getting substandard care, totally based off of racial discrimination. So it, it hurts my heart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. I was just going to hopefully like moving forward. Um, I mean, this might sound really like, uh, what is the word I'm looking for here? Naive. But um, I grew up obviously mixed and I always grew up in a family that like just loved people for who they were and not because of what, like where they came from or their cultural background or anything like that. Um, I mean, it would just be amazing 
Um, and I think about this every day because you come across different situations or, you know, some people speak on things and they don't really know who their audiences are and you hear things that you probably wouldn't want to hear. Um, but I just hope, you know, breaking generational curses and working with like, um, you know, younger generations and older and like, you know, that we can all work together to just make some changes because I truly believe if people really just tried to understand one another, our world would seriously be in such a different place. And I know it's so easy to like be angry or, you know, um, not see the other side of something, but I've lived in many different situations and, you know, I've, I've come from, um, you know, you come from little, but like, it's, it's just, it's crazy. So that's all I think about all the time is like equality and, you know, making sure everyone feels loved and respected and heard. And that's something I feel like we're going to probably fight for, for the rest of our lives. But um, these things make differences and raising our voices and being heard and you people like you giving us a platform to talk about things openly, like judgment free zone. Like I just, I just, yeah, that's, that's my prayer and wish for people that they really just start to try to understand one another. Um, because if you did, you would not, you would probably like not question or think the way that you do sometimes. Yeah. I, um, I really appreciate you saying that. I'm a big believer in intergenerational healing. Judy had actually been operating mm -hmm. and that um, really was my first space that I could openly talk about, um, you know, healing from all of this. And, um, you know, it's going to be ongoing for the rest of our lives, but I just think we're the first generation to be able to open talk about this and um you know so I think about that and I think about you know by talking about it by healing it and, and then talking to our kids in a, in a more respectful way like that is just gonna help so much in the future and I know I've had it so much better than my mom's generation and then my grandmother's generation so I just think about those things and know that we're doing the right thing and then you know Elle here you know doing all this great work that she's doing like this is our future, right? So we're doing the healing so that Al can just live a wonderful, resilient life, and and her existence is our resistance. That's it's that simple. That's that's why we love you so much because you just show us that all the sacrifices that we made, our, our grandmothers made, our grandfathers made. Like now you're here, and we can we can help elevate you in the best way we can. So uh, without pressure, though just have fun with your life and know that that you every time you smile every time you giggle and every time you feel joy you are healing a whole generation so uh, I'm really honored to have you all on my show today thank you for being on it you're welcome to stay on if you'd like I took a screenshot of us so I will send it to you all so that we can um, have that to remember I look a little goofy but it's not the point you guys look great so <laughs> Oh, you look darling, honey. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so funny, the thing about those uh, uh, screenshots, so. <laughs> I guess I'll find out shortly. <laughs> yeah, you bet. Thanks again. So I'll just, uh, yeah. I have a, a script here that I, I speak of, but before I do, I just want to say, I, I just want to give you all a chance to kind of say any last thoughts or anything like that. So maybe we'll start with Lisa. Yes. Well, I just, um, again, I want to thank you so much for, having me um thank you for obviously including me <laughs> uh i'm super pumped for what we're working on together as a family and you know even just meeting new people and networking it's always great to um again just make things better 
And um, thank you again so much for giving us this platform to talk about um, the things that we're passionate about and open up about our family. And um, yeah, we're excited to have you be along our journey with us um, for the Kidney March. So thanks yeah. again. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Lisa. And when you guys have links or anything, just tell me and I'll share them on my, on my social media. So uh, Judy, would you like to say anything else before we go? Um, sure. I just wanted to say thank you very much for having us on as well. It's been such a wonderful opportunity and I really appreciate um, being able to tell about my books because they're very, very dear to me. I love writing and that's what I know my is what I should be doing and know I, I will be continuing to do and help other people whether they need fundraising or what, however they need to need help and it's, it's going to be a wonderful opportunity. And again, thanks so much. And here's Missy. This Amazing. Hi. Hi. Anything <laughs> else you'd like to tell us or, or some closing thoughts about what it was like being on the podcast? This podcast was fun. Yeah, I'm just really tired right now. <laughs> <laughs> so for those who are listening, it is like 10 o'clock on a Sunday, and I think we all agree we'd rather be sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> we just had a huge walk yesterday to, to train for the kidney march, so that's why we're she's so tired. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, I'm so happy for you guys. Thank you all for being on my show. I can't thank you enough. And again, you guys are always welcome on my show whenever you want. So with that, I'm, I'm going to, uh, you know, a lot of the things that I talk about on my, on my podcast um, I want to give an update to everybody about conversion band therapy for the city of Calgary. Tomorrow is our big day. Tomorrow is the day we find out whether or not we will pass a bylaw to ban conversion therapy. And I don't like even using that term therapy because it's actually just a form of torture. Um, we have a, a lot of folks that are, um, you know, homeless or deal with that constant uh, self-doubt and I can tell you I listened to two days of testimony it was absolutely horrendous it was listening to uh, right-wing Christians uh, talk about how inferior people who aren't like them are I found it incredibly triggering as an indigenous woman listening to what I know they said and their priests and their nuns said to my my relations and it I cried it, it was very hard so I did have five minutes and I spoke and I felt like it went right over everybody's head. They didn't engage with me at all, but they engaged with almost every other person. So it, it kind of, that hurt my feelings as well, that I think what I said about, um, you know, our two-spirit LGBTQ2+, that have been under attack since colonization, that have been attacked for who they are uh, spiritually as well as racially. It, that was really hard for me. And I, I had a few conversations with uh, folks from the LGBTQ2 plus community and it was hard on them too. So we had a great trauma that happened in the last two weeks here in Calgary. And that's uh, something that I think should be recognized. And um, yesterday, or no, two days ago was Harvey Milk Day and he was assassinated for standing up for gay rights. And I uh, was watching the... Uh, Queer Fairy Tales, the Calgary Fairy Tales uh, Film Festival, and they had a wonderful film I watched called Sex, Sin, and 69, and it was a strong conversation about what it was like to partially decriminalize homosexuality 
And I, I bring it up because, you know, these are, are important milestones for, for the LGBTQ2 plus community. But again, 1969, this was when a lot of indigenous were still under the past system. So imagine if you were two-spirit and you were, you know, trying to find who you were, how incredibly difficult that would have been in those times, especially on the prairies. So I think about that and I honor the struggles of, of all of those people. So when I spoke, I talked about the calls to justice from the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls Report that talked specifically about the LGBTQ2 plus and how that has impacted them. And honestly, it's, it's almost impossible to encapsulate in five minutes. And especially with how awful and triggering it was to hear people, uh, you know, defame um, religions that aren't theirs, spirituality practices that aren't theirs, to defame people who are, you know, in their heart, actually the most beautiful human beings. Um, as a straight cis woman, you know, how many perspectives I've seen come out of two-spirit people that we all need to hear and share and should be celebrated and once upon a time were. So I, I think about you all I, and I honor you. I, I honor the struggle that you go through and I don't ever want that for my daughter or for the next generation to go through um, my little niece and, and my cousins that identify as trans. I don't want them to hear these things. I need this to end. So if you um, feel this strongly about it as well, you can write the counselors and tell them that uh, you want them to support the bylaw as is to ban conservative, uh, uh, to ban co uh, conversion torture. And my hope is tomorrow we will make history because I know that internationally they're watching this, nationally they're watching this, provincially they're watching this, and of course municipally it's right boots on the ground right now for our community and um, I, I just hope that if you are gay lesbian bisexual two-spirit and intersex I want you to know how much I'm thinking about all of you right now and how I, I just picture like that armor strength around you all because you don't deserve to hear these awful things and the last thing I want is for anyone to internalize that so know that a lot of us are fighting with you and we want um we want this ban and we will keep fighting and this weekend um the indigenous people's commission we had our policy discussions so those will be coming out shortly after we you know finesse them and get the okay approval so those will be coming out so if you see those i'd love for you to look at them and have a, and and critique them and we'll we'll go from there because Ultimately, these things matter, and I put forward an intersect policy through my writing association. So we'll see if that goes through. Um, you know, that is such an awful conversation to have. That in Canada today, the medical community is doing unconsented um, surgeries on babies, on youth, and I, I'm sick thinking about it. And it's been internationally condemned. And yet our criminal code still allows this to happen here. So I'm hoping that I will gain support for that and um, or have folks look at it and change it so that it gets properly looked at and we change this because as a mother, the idea of somebody doing that to a child um, and globally, they actually will kill babies on the spot for that. So these are things that um, as Canadians, we have the 
we, we have the ability to talk to our, our all elected officials, whether municipally, provincially, or federally, and tell them that we demand these changes. So I encourage you all to get politically involved, even if you um, identify as Indigenous and you think that it's not for you. The truth is that there were a lot of people to fight for your right to talk to your MP, your MLA, or your municipal representation so that you have a voice. And we have our treaties, we have our rights. It doesn't make you less um, Indigenous by engaging with these other levels of government. So I encourage folks to do that because um, this is how, you know, well, it's one avenue of many avenues. I acknowledge all the activists that work really hard to engage with Canada in uh, constructive ways and ones that, um, you know, do it through art and protest in a way to try to engage Canada in, in, a, in a different way that hopefully will change their views and change the way they look at us. And, and hopefully we can all move forward. Um, yeah, and as a few of you heard, I, I got uh, attacked on my Facebook and um, it was shocking. <laughs> I posted it for a lot of folks. I had uh, some really close um, friends send me some nice things and uh, call and, and send me some private messages. And I just wanted to say thank you to you um, for for seeing that, witnessing that. And um, I, the Calgary Police, actually, um, my inner circle of Calgary Police officers, the few that I trust, um, reached out. And um, I'm grateful for that as well. So we'll see where that goes. I don't know. But um, it's for everyone to see if you're interested. Um, with that, I'm, I want to say Indigenous have been talking about our issues, our traumas in reports, commissions, public hearings, and it's been regularly disregarded, but no more. Honour our words, honour the treaties, listen to politicians and their platforms and policies. If they don't recognize marginalized in their budgets with gender equity plus, if they're cutting violence prevention programs and services, Indigenous education, uterus health choices, gay straight alliances, know that your vote to that party directly negatively impacts marginalized people. Demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action. The recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal People, the multiple reports about child welfare reform and violence prevention, and now the 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, Girls and Two-Spirit. Denying these reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting our people are experiencing extreme racism in the education platforms and politicians, um, all the educational justice health institutions with multiple reports that say the same thing. If they don't understand colonialism, racism, privilege, and sexism, they literally have zero business running. It should be understood by all parties, all local politicians, community organizations, sports. Really great article that I said out loud in episode 62 is Truth Before Truth. How non-Indigenous Canadians become allies. If you Google it, I'm sure you can read it. I want to continue by putting cultural safety into action so you can create a safer space for Indigenous, people of colour, those with disabilities and LGBTQ2 plus to speak. Look at it as first aid for uh, marginalised people. First you have to do something. Having good intentions is not enough. Being nice is not enough. I shared um, a few articles about that. Uh, take action to make change. Speak out against racism. Ask questions for those more, with more understanding. Find allies. Create a support system for yourself. 
that you can advocate for culturally safe approaches. Take responsibility for your own learning. Read, reflect, ask questions. Do not expect this learning to come from Indigenous people. We have free podcasts. We have uh, uh, documentaries. We have all sorts of resources that are available. Books that um, you know I, I constantly promote. Take time for self-reflection. Be aware of your assumptions and biases. Question everything you've learned about Indigenous people and take steps to actively disrupt the stereotypes. So if you're a nurse assuming that every Indigenous person coming in is actually drunk when they might be having a stroke, because of your assumptions and biases, you are hurting people when you claim that you want to help people. Commit to lifelong learning. Be prepared to be uncomfortable. Understanding colonialism and the legacy of racism is an ongoing and difficult task. I want to say thank you to Here to Help, um, blah, blah, here to help .bc .ca, Visions, Indigenous People, What is Indigenous Cultural Safety and Why I Should Care About It for that list. But back to number four about, you know, be prepared to be uncomfortable. When I was learning as a straight cis woman about intersex issue, I cried. So, you know, this isn't just a you know, settler indigenous conversation on race relations. It's whatever your privilege is, you're gonna have conversations that are upsetting. As an able-bodied person, it is upsetting to hear some of the problems that uh, the community that has different issues, whether it's neurological or physical, the, the things that they face. We have the power as a society to change these things. And I want people to feel that. I want them to know that they have the right to engage all different sorts of um, policies and procedures within their companies, within their organizations. And, and you can engage with your counselors, MLAs, MPs, and you really should if you care about society and your civic responsibilities. These are things that you can do. A lot of us feel very helpless but we actually have a lot more power than we give ourselves credit. Internalized racism and lateral violence is another form of violence indigenous or marginalized people experience by the structure of racism imposed on these lands. So these lateral violence is an outcome of the Indian Act, Indian residential schools and other land clearing policies. You know, um, people blaming each other. These are all forms of abuses that came, that was taught on, and imposed on these lands. Um, RacialEquityTools.org has some really great information about internalized racism by Donna Bevins. And I just encourage people to Google and find out more about lateral violence because sometimes the worst hurt comes from our own people, but that is taught through colonialism. So I encourage people to learn about that. Uh, do's and don'ts, by, bystander intervention. Okay, so right now today I've been sharing a lot of stuff about um, anti-Asian racism. Today, um, I know a lot of, you know, so-called centrists, but I would call right-wing conservatives that, um, you know, have a friend within their party. She's experiencing extreme racism up in Edmonton because she identifies, well, she looks Asian, but she was never been to China, but she has Edmontonians telling her to go back to her country. <laughs> it's making national news because people are so racist. So I, I'm sharing that because as indigenous people, we can stand up and help. Oh, well, we're experiencing it too. And there's a woman in Vancouver 
she is indigenous and because she was mistaken as Chinese, she was um, given a whole bunch of, you know, racist barrages. And again, um, you know, racial battle fatigue is real. So it, you get that fight or flight response and my heart race, like heart just races and I get a headache and I get, um, I don't feel good. You know, I get really tense. We all experience that as, as people in, in stressful situations. Yet that's overlooked by mainstream society because they don't experience racism. So, you know, know that it's happening to our people. This is why we have health issues is because of this constant racial battle fatigue. So, you know, these are do's and don'ts for intervention to help people. If you are in that situation where you see somebody, whether it's like um, anti-black, anti-Muslim, anti-trans or other form of oppressive interpersonal violence and harassment, these are tips on how to intervene for the safety of everyone involved. Do make your presence known as a witness, if possible. You know, make eye contact with the person being harassed and let them know if they want support, you're there. Move yourself nearer to the person being harassed, if possible, and you feel that you can do so. Create a distance or barrier between the person being harassed and the attacker. If it's safe to do so, you don't record and film the incident. You can delete it after. Um, you can miss your next stop. You, these are really important moments where you can you know, help somebody from being attacked. Take cues from the person being harassed. Is the person engaging with the harasser? Can you make suggestions like, would you like me to walk over here? Would you like to move another train cart? Would you like for him to leave? Follow their lead. Notice if the person is being harassed and resisting in their own way and honor that. Don't tone police the person being harassed. Follow up with the individual after and let them know that um, if they need anything, you're there to, as a witness. So document it. Give them your card so that, you know, at the moment it's um, humiliating and they might not want to, um, you know, bring any more attention to themselves. So just give them that card in the hopes that, you know, if they change their mind, they can call you or they can throw away your card and that's okay. At least you validated that experience for them. Um, but do what you have to do to keep you both safe. You know, de-escalate the situation. Assess your surroundings. Are there others that you can pull in? Working as a team is the best idea. And if you can, you and the person move to a safer place. Do not call the police. For many communities experiencing harassment right now, including Arab, Muslim, Black, queer, trans, Indigenous, um, the police can actually cause a greater danger for the person being harassed, again, because of racial bias. I have a very small circle of police that I trust and that I will contact, and I am grateful for that. And I, I actually want to throw this out to uh, Dr. Christopher Wells, we had a wonderful conversation and I asked him if I could quote him and he spoke about how, you know, if we're getting harassed, then we're doing our job. We're doing a good job. Um, I think of that movie I talked about earlier today about sex, sin and 69. And very clearly the priest there said, he said goodbye to his parents the night before he performed the first gay marriage the next day because he didn't know what to expect. He had to wear a bulletproof vest. He had police sweeping, they had to check bags. It was nuts the day that the first gay marriage happened in Canada. 
And I think of that and I think that the work that we're doing today is important. And we want to stop people from feeling empowered to like beat people, hit people. I heard something about, you know, an old man in Vancouver being hit by a man who thought he was, I don't know what he thought, but at any, at any rate, you know, we have to be kind to each other as a community. We have to start including each other. Oh, and it's, um, I, I brought up our Arab and Muslim uh, community members and, you know, uh, it right now is Ramadan. So they're fasting through the day. And, and I went to a wonderful iftar, a very small group of us ate together and it was absolutely wonderful to be able to see my friend. And I, I missed her so much and I wished I could have hugged her. And, you know, they're going through a spiritual journey right now. Um, and I just wish people could understand and respect that and see that bigger picture of how beautiful we are as diverse people. Anyway, back to our do's and don'ts. Don't escalate the situation. The goal is to get people being harassed to safety and to not incite further violence from the attacker. But bloody hell, don't do nothing. If you do nothing, silence is dangerous. It communicates approval and leaves the victim high and dry. If you find yourself too nervous or afraid to speak out, move closer to the person being harassed to communicate your support with your body. Just give them your damn card. If you feel you absolutely cannot, you know, miss your stop, just give them your damn card so that they they know. And, and you're not, you know, giving that uh, silent approval. Um, and teach your kids about accountability because these people are learning it from somewhere to be this disrespectful. Um, and when I talk about accountability, that's exactly why I had so much uh, vicious attacking happening to me this week because people need to be held accountable for their racism against indigenous people, Muslim people, Asian people, trans people, everybody. It, I can't believe people think it's acceptable to behave the way they do. Um, if you're experiencing emotional, emotional distress and want to talk, call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It is toll-free and open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And if you go to hopeforwellness.ca, you will see a text uh, feature if you're a texter. <sighs> Violence is my everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation has faced it. That's why I started this podcast, to speak freely without interruption, without tone police, without leadership shaming, without gaslighting questions, as many people don't want to hear Indigenous opinion, but sure want to tell us theirs by people who know nothing about Indigenous, know nothing about colonialism, know nothing about the constant surveillance of Indigenous people, our protests, our vigils, and our rights, microaggressions, people dealing with internalized racism, gatekeepers, folks that live off the status quo, and then there are people who are really in their trauma, and they deplete a lot of resources as a result. Internal and external racism is an everyday reality for Indigenous people. And that's why I started this podcast as a boundary to be heard. I want to say thank you to my ancestors. I know the chances of me being here are so slim. So I honor you, my granny, my mom of what strength looks like through your example. I want to thank my dad. Um, I can't imagine a Mayflower, you know, generation living this long. So, and it was 
thanks to the west or to the eastern um indigenous people that helped save those mayflower people so i have so much to be thankful for when i say thank you to my ancestors and i want to say thank you to my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt i want to say thank you to my stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through your austrian roots and culture and teaching me to be a proud calgarian it is through you i am a proud second generation proud calgarian <laughs> I think I said proud like enough, hey? Thank you to my husband, Darcy, for producing and editing the show. On top of being my husband, my childhood friend, the father of our child, and support down my journey of the Red Road, he has witnessed decades of racism and sexism. To our child, who we are blessed to learn from every day, we are honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better and stronger person. I hope my family, my daughter, will be proud in the future of us trying to discuss these present-day issues in a way that they can understand down the road. Again, my Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. I want to say thank you to Adam and Alexandria, Beatrice, Brian, Kat, Celine, Christina, Crystal, Diana, Jocelyn, Judy, Karen, Kathy, Kenna, Leah, Marisa, Natalie, Nathan, Rebecca, The Sprawl, Tiffany, Vanessa, and Veronica. Thank you all for signing up. If you did one donation or many and had to quit for financial reasons, please know I appreciate your support. If you value listening and can afford to give, thank you. For those who cannot afford to give but listen in, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or questions. I now have a YouTube channel and would love to have you subscribe for podcasts. We applied for Spotify. We are on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And I want to end with giving a side eye to those Calgary rabbits. You're lucky I'm not tradish. And my beautiful cousin would respond, or you'd be in my dish. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. And thank you to Judy, L, and Lisa for being a part of my show. <laughs>